welcome to Eagle Nation. Don't forget to join us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter so you never miss an episode. Well, on this week's show, we will discuss uh, the Eagles' confidence-winning boost over the Crows in the final siren. We'll try and cover quite a bit of footy tonight. Um, we're doing it again by Zoom, so welcome, Dan and Wayne. How are you going? Hey, boys. How are you going? Yeah, good to be here, especially after a win. Yes, it yeah, was a good win. But before we get into that, we've got to have to talk about the normal topic that's going on. COVID has hit again, and it's not just... Uh, the people out in the public, it's players as well. So I think there's a few more players now that are saying Kilda player Rowan Marshall has to go straight back to Victoria today. So they're going That's to right. down a Ruckman. So that probably an advantage to the Eagles because they're pretty lethal with two Ruckman, but we'll talk about that later. Um, yeah, look, where do we start? I've got this idea. So I'll run it by you guys. With COVID, it's not going to go away anytime soon. Next year, they've got to do the fixture right. 17 games up that you play each other once before you play anyone twice. Because it's ludicrous. We haven't played Melbourne or Brisbane yet, but we played a few teams before them twice. Um, if they do that next year, if they have a trouble with COVID, they can cut the season short at 17 rounds if they have to. What are your thoughts on that? I think I think we've always all said we should always play each other once, without the question of a doubt before they double up. And I think they're they're in a position now where they can actually change the fixtures at a drop of a hat. So, I mean, I think it's a good idea, and I wouldn't be surprised if there's a pause in the season in the next two weeks. To be honest, yeah, look, it's heading yeah. that way. Yeah, pretty much just to reiterate what Wayne said, like COVID or no COVID, it just it just seems logical that you play everyone once before you're doubling up. You know what I mean? It's always been an anomaly with the fixtures. I don't understand that why. But um, as, as far as I'm concerned, the AFL season can go ahead. But I feel like the VFL just loves to keep their grips on the AFL because realistically, you can play in Northern Territory, you can play in Perth and Tasmania, and you can fly in and out of all those states because none of us are in any, any form of category or risk right now. But yet, they're, they're trying to keep that strangle on Victoria because apparently the rumour is uh, Dons that are in Noosa up in Queensland are still flying into Melbourne to play. So the fact they're keeping all these clubs in Melbourne and that's where it's happened. It's like, oh, well, this is category two now because you went to a cafe shop in Melbourne or you went to the rugby in Melbourne, you know. Um, so it's kind of backfire where they're just so – trying to keep everyone there when they're having cases. Um, that's just a sad way of seeing it, but it is what it is, really. Yeah, look, I agree totally there, because you look at uh, Geelong, for instance, um, their home ground is at uh, the Cattery. Um, and, you know, with all this stuff going on, they've gone, why can we move our MCG uh, game to, back to the Cattery? Because you're not going to be able to have the full crowds there. And they say no. So... I don't understand it, you know, but Sydney can go play there as a home game. You know what I mean? They get a choice, but people that have their own home ground can't even go there. So who knows what's going on at the AFL. But it's interesting today they've changed the Adelaide's fixtures to go to Melbourne and Adelaide have got less – I've got less um, uh, COVID cases than Melbourne, yet they've transferred the, Mel the Adelaide games to Melbourne this weekend. Yeah, that's so, weird because they had another seven – but that's weird. Who knows? Well, 
No, that, that, that's kind of my point, exactly what you've said, Wayne. You've hit the nail on the head where it's like, mate, there's a problem here. You can't play in states that are in lockdowns. If you come to Perth, you go to Tassie and you go to Northern Territory, because right now we were very hard stance last year. But right now, if you do your quarantine here, you're, you're free to do anything. You can travel in and out to Northern Territory. You can fly in and out from Tasmania. Um, and not only that, you've got crowds at the games. Yeah. And we saw last year when it wasn't an Eagles or a Dockers game and it wasn't a marquee game, they're still getting 16,000 people go to the game anyway. So I'm perplexed why what you've just said, Wayne, is exactly what they're doing. Why you're taking a team and then putting it in, down, into a lockdown state with a, to play in front of no crowds. But as I said, it's just the Victoria is very Vic-centric and I think that's the only reason they're doing this. I reckon it could be because we only got the one stadium. So my next thing is the, the WA government need to – they've got it in – um, in the works that the WAC is going to get redeveloped. So we've got another ground for football, so you can play football there. They need to get onto it swiftly and get up as soon as they can because COVID ain't going away. And maybe if we have the two stadiums, we can hold more teams here. I don't know. That's just me thinking out loud. But if we had two teams, two grounds here, it might give them the option, you know what I mean? Yeah, but that's yeah, where great. Tasmania and Northern Territory come into it. Yeah. And let's be honest, they're playing games in Ballarat. And so you could play at some of the Wolf venues. Yeah, if you're you playing can. games in Ballarat or playing in front of a no crowd, well, let's say a Suns versus Ruse might not get a big crowd. Well, then they could play in Northern Territory, you know what I mean? Find out or a Waffle Ground. Because um, I think a small crowd is better than no crowd, to be honest. Yeah. All right, well, let's get back into the game because it's going to be a shorter podcast here. Um, for the second time this season, we fought back from a goalless first quarter and we prevailed by 42 points. That was our second biggest win for the season. So 14-14-98 to 8 goals, 8-56. And, uh, yeah, it was a pretty good good win. And that was our ninth win at our second home in Adelaide <laughs> out of 11 games. Yeah. Pretty good record. Yeah, it's probably, probably our... our um... I don't know about you guys. I thought our first half was a bit ordinary, but our second half was really good. And maybe these type of games actually helps you get you back into a little bit of form and a few players back into form. You know, I've been pretty critical of Jamie Cripps, but he had a blinder of a game. You know, Liam Ryan's second half was really good. I think Yo was brilliant. And Nick Nat, was, his, his ruck work was outstanding. So, um, yeah, it was really good to see. Well, let's talk about the s'mores. Is she Leah, we're, we're usually on this podcast saying our s'mores aren't doing enough. But this week it was, they did all the work. And it was good to see, like we said, I've been critical of Crips all year. We all have, but five goals, two. When he's on, he's on. Uh, Liam Ryan, three goals, four. You know, if he had to kick through the ball, he probably would have had five as well. Um, and... Petricelli, your favourite there, Danny, ended up with two good goals and did a, quite a lot of gu- uh, stuff around the ground, especially on the wing. Yeah, it's it's funny. You and I talked about getting him up the ground. We said off the half back, and they didn't play him off the half back, but they definitely pushed him up, and it was um it was a masterstroke. Like he kicked his couple goals, had twenty disposals. Uh, he took that long bomb too that just didn't quite bounce right. You know what I mean? You just hoping it would have bounced through, you know, from 60 out when the 
goal square was just vacant, but that, you know, bit of luck didn't go his way, but it was a sensational game. And as you touched on Cripps, that not only was his best game I think I've seen, that was one of the best individual performances of the year of any player. Because you've got the big bots and these players getting 30-plus disposals on a couple of goals. But to kick five goals too, but then follow that up with 25 disposals as well. 13 score involvement. Yeah, that, that was a... That was an amazing performance, like, because, you know, you know I love my stats, but the most important stat is the obvious one is goals. He's kicked 5-2 yep. with 25 disposals. You know, that that's a massive impact, and not many players have had that kind of impact on the game this year. Hmm. My only thing I think about... Two. Yep, you go, Wayne. No, guys, yeah, sorry, mate. Yeah, I, I think, too, um, another big thing to, this week was the three young guys. The two Edwards boys, Harry and Luke, and Connor West, they really added some real good young running legs in there, and I think complimented the other guys. And it was I reckon it was great to see. Harry Edwards is every time he comes in, he plays plays so well in that bloody back line. That's uh, it's it's going to be hard to leave him out when the time comes. Yeah, look, I was going to I was going to mention uh, uh, Harry because um, he's the unsung hero, and um, he did the job on Tex. He uh, Tex had thirteen possessions, but he only had one goal. And he didn't really do much for those 13 possessions. And when he did, they had him too high. So I thought he did a really good job. And I wanted to talk to you boys about Connor West. For a debut, he had 19 disposals. 13 of them were contested. That was the most of anyone on the ground by any of the Eagles. He had uh, three clearances, four marks, four tackles, and 25 pressure acts. Those pressure acts that we talked about. But that was the second most by anyone on the ground as well. So he fitted in nicely, didn't he? Yeah, very, very played well. Is, um, oh, you go, Dan. Yeah, oh, cheers, mate. Uh, it's confusing on Zoom for people that are listening, obviously. Um, yeah, I was surprised. And they did the same with O'Neill uh, in his last game where they started him forward. Where I'd love to see these players that are in good waffle form playing in the mid actually start in the mid. Um, and I found, like, as the game were on, he got more time in the mid and you really got to see what West is capable of, and it's uh, very exciting to see. Um, and, uh, you, you know, especially with Shuey going down, it's hard to see him being dropped either. So that's a, that's another bonus. He'll probably get another game and uh, hopefully build on that. Yeah, well, look, let's, let's, let's hope they keep him in there. Um, a bit yeah. we peeved off if he doesn't. Um, Nick Natanui, you briefly said his name there before, uh, Wayne. Um, he played his 200th game. Um the other players, Brad Shepard, Shannon Hearn, and Josh Kennedy, all had milestones this year, all off. So we bucked the trend there. But there's another stat here. The most games for West Coast without winning a premiership, Nick Nett's on 200, Shepard's on 212, Andrew Gass on 231, and Matt Pritter's 240. So he's in sort of a little bit of a company that he probably wants to change. So, yeah, would, uh, so would Gaff and Shepard. His work on the weekend was... Was excellent. I'm 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 sorry too. Young Bailey Williams did a good backup job. He did some great ruck work as well. Kicked a good, brilliant goal. And I've just one more on that stat, which you, you probably know about this one anyway. Dan, is that you both probably know? This is interesting. Connor West. That was the second best ever by an Eagles player on debut in contested possessions. Only one other player has been better than him, and that was Chris Judd Chris on his debut. Yeah. Yeah. So it's uh, it's pretty. A pretty big effort when you consider some of the guys have gone through that midfield on their debuts. Kirk, Cousins, Prittis, 
Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, great, great work there. And I must compliment Shannon Hearn. His first quarter especially was, I mean, he had four marks in the first three minutes, I think. But his, his, game, his game on the back line was just outstanding. I was about That's to mention Hearning because um, he's a general down back and he definitely uh, definitely will be getting another contract next year. What do you reckon, Dan? Oh, yeah, I was. Uh, I love Turns' game. He's in set marks. And um, someone that I found very much flew under the radar too was uh, Gov. Like, he had 19 disposals at uh, 93% efficiency, but he had 10 intercept possessions as well. So I found the two older heads down back in uh, Gov and Hearn were just back to their – basically, as a defensive group, back to their best almost, you know what I mean? Like, And I was watching things like more off – not the inset marks, but just off the ball kind of thing where, like, Gov was just – he was back to reading the play well. So there were things you wouldn't even notice. But, um, like, he, he was about to man the mark, but then he seen there was a pocket where an Adelaide play that was running from midfield was going to run into that open space there. So he's put someone else on the mark before they said, Stan, he's run back. He's affected the contest and then laid a tackle on the guy too. So something like, And it was the, the play where the Adelaide player managed to just get the – ball on his boot and get it in the air. So I don't know if you can remember that one. He had to kick it out backwards, out back out the 50. But that was, mm. I was just watching him read the play and just see it unfolding. And just, he was doing that again. And that's his strength is reading the play. So there was just so many little things where you won't really get big stats for. But if you're watching it and watching the game unfold around him, I feel that's his strength is reading the play. And that's what he's got to do. And it was just so great to see him doing that again. Um, and it was a, a great game to him, but because we had so many stars, he might have gone unnoticed. The barometer, he's back. I think he's back. I think he's finally back to his uh, best form. He's uh, had a few weeks to get into it, but he had 23 touches, eight clearances, and a goal. And watching him and Nick is pretty good to watch. So I'm just hoping that uh, he keeps it up in Yowie. Yeah, you know, his clearance work was unbelievable, especially that actually the first half he really was in that game with his clearance work. And um, and we've, and I know, Dan, you've touched on this a lot during the year. It's his grunt work in the middle that we, we haven't had that we've really missed that was really evident on the weekend. And, um, yeah, I think the whole midfield, I mean, Gaffy again, Gaffy's played a great game. He's played that link game again, has played a great game. Shuey, until, you know, he got that small calf injury. He was playing really well. Even Sheed was lowering his eyes this week. You know, he wasn't bombing it like he normally does. Yeah, I found Sheed was very funny because he didn't, like, rake up the, the numbers disposal-wise. But as you always say, his stats can be misleading, Wayne, and I found his game very much was like that because I found he was crucial in a lot of plays and he even got back and himself being a midfield took an intercept mark down deep back late yep. in the game, you know. So he did a lot of good things, but then on the stats paper, it doesn't look like his 40 disposal game or 30 disposal game, which he's done, but he still was influenced. And it's something we touched on last week was um, we needed our star mature players to lift and we kind of got that. We got Gov, we got Yo doing it, which we touched on. We've talked about Cripps lifting. We talked about Shuey. Like he missed the last quarter, so again, his numbers wouldn't look good, but in three quarters of footy, he was influential without being the best, obviously. Even Duggan, he dropped the mark, but other than that, Duggan was, I think, improved on last week's game. So it was one of those things that the players, a lot of the players we touched on got better. But even Darling, like he didn't star or have the greatest game, but you could see improvement. 
You saw a few good contested marks again from him. You saw him get up the ground a bit more. You saw him get a goal. So it wasn't like a great game for Darling, but you can see it's an improvement on what he's put out on the park recently. So it was a group effort from our senior players, and sadly they were the ones that need to lift, and I'm so glad they finally done it. Well, I heard a rumour that Darling has been sick for the last three or four weeks, so that could have been the reason why his output hasn't been as great. Um, but, you know, like you said, he, he didn't do as much as what we'd like to, but he was there when it was needed. He bought the border ground. Those things don't get recorded as stats. Briefly, before we go on to a few other things, um, I thought Josh Rotham, you know, 12 12 disposal, six marks. Some of those marks were really timely when he took them. Um, I thought it was really good. And you touched on Duggan. Now, in a football club, when I used to play, if you did something like that, you got fined. So I'm hoping he gets fined. It was unfortunate <laughs> that it was a, a fumble, but it cost him a goal. Um, somebody probably won't want to look back on, but uh, that was probably the only uh, thing I didn't – that was probably our only mistake for the game. I thought, thought it was an all-around four-quarter effort. We didn't score in the first quarter. It was scrappy. But once we got the ball on our terms, yeah, I just thought we were in control. Yeah, just quickly, too, boys, have you seen him tinker with our game plan a bit? It's similar because we touched on how you can't completely change it, but you can tinker with it. Do you, did you notice that you uh, – even against Ruse, we tried to do it a bit, but not for the best result. But we are trying to get through that mid – middle of the ground a bit better. So, like, they'll go yeah. sideways and back, but then as soon as they see an open, they go bang through that middle. They switched it pretty quickly. Yeah. yeah and yeah. and we, we said it last week, when we go through the guts, and I think the common, one of the commentators said it, um, and, yeah, it was actually Montaigne, the person that probably doesn't like as much. When we go through the guts, we look amazing. You know, we get that slow thing out of the back line, get control of it, and then we went down the guts, and... When, when you're on fire like that, not many teams aren't going to be able to combat that. So let's hope they keep doing it in the next couple of weeks because we got five games left, is it? Five or six? Five mm -hmm. games left, all winnable. So um, let's talk about on – Shuey, is he, is he injured? <laughs> That's a hard one, isn't it? Yeah. He, yeah. he did have a little – he had a limp at the end of the game. I, I wonder if he had more of a corky. Even though Pavlich is going on about, you know, they yeah. really flexed the ball there. But you can't take a chance on that. You know, we got a calf. You got a guy who's got a history of calf. So if he felt something, you've got to take that chance and say, well, he's got a history of a calf. So um, I think, yeah, but sounding like Simo, I think he could maybe, he may miss a week and that's about it if he does. All right. Yeah, but then that that's a perfect example of like, well, he should have been subbed off. He was missing yeah, well, like yeah. even though Dr. Pav says differently, but it's funny, like yeah. he hasn't commented on anyone else being subbed off, but then when Zanig was played, yeah. he does. But yeah, from what I'm hearing, he did it got real tight real quick. And they're like, get him off kind of thing. Um and yeah, JK said today he'll be back, but she probably won't be so. All right, well yeah. that's what I was gonna say. The the waffle guys had a good a good game. Unfortunately, they went down by um a few what was it? 20 points, was it? Oh, didn't realise it was that much. It went up only because Subiaco scored five in the last uh, quarter. We scored one point. Um, to come against um, St Kilda, who we're playing this week, JK obviously comes straight back in. Um, so Waterman kicked four goals, and it was pretty instrumental 
and keeping us in the game. So he probably has to, unfortunately, with the way our team's set up, he's probably going to have to play another game in the waffle. Brander played pretty good, 29 disposals, five marks and four inside 50. So that was very pleasing. And Wiverton had 27 disposals, eight marks, three tackles. So they were the three dominant plots in the team uh, because Hutchings was an emergency for the Eagles. So do you see any of those three coming in? I would love to Not see really. Brander come in, but I just it's it's hard. Like, who comes out? Team balance, um, yeah. And we are already very tall. So, like yeah, I, I said... I don't... I don't yep. see any changes. JK will come in, and then it'll be a toss-up who goes out from here, whether it's a... Uh, well, Shuey will Williams. go out. Sorry? Shuey will go out, That's... and maybe they'll just swing it around from there. Maybe Shuey mightn't go out. You know, he's... Yeah. Timo's sort of hinting today that, yeah, oh, hopefully he's going to be okay. So I'm just wondering, he had a bit of a corky. So, um, yeah. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But otherwise, I don't see too many changes. That's all mm-hmm. I see. Well, with St Kilda... To be, to be honest, yeah, with uh, Marsh out from St Kilda... Marshall, yeah. I think this is a game Marshall. where you could drop Williams more for matchups. You might not need that designated second ruck because their number one ruck's gone. Um, so, you know, you have obviously Nick that doing majority and then just have pinch hitters in there. So maybe that... Um, I like the thought of... It's Williams very hard because I, I want to squeeze Brander in some in some way get him into that side. Uh, even if it, it might even be for an expense of like a Luke Edwards, but he didn't play a, like you touched on too, Wayne. He actually played pretty good on the the weekend. So it's like, well, you're robbing Peter to play poor. You're getting games into another young kid, but it's costing another young kid game. So these yeah, guys exactly. toss up and decide. Yeah, well, I'd like to see William stay in the uh, team because we can use him up forward. That's why I'd say Waterman probably be the unlucky one. You know, he's played a really good game in the waffle. Um, yeah, look, um, St Kilda, we should have beaten him the last time. We've beaten him eight times out of the last ten. The last game we were 32 points up at half time, and we lost the game. Um, and, you know, it was a game that we shouldn't have lost. Um, but we did. So Eagles have to uh, attest to that. Um, I can't – Brass is still out, so he won't be coming in anytime soon, and Redden's still another two weeks away. So it's time for guys like um, Lukey Edwards, Harry Edwards, uh, Connor West to get a foot in the door and try and keep the pressure on these uh, star players coming back in. So – and the game has been changed from Saturday 5.40 to 2.35 to, I guess, for broadcasting around Australia for the other teams. You wouldn't want to be working the fixtures out at the AFL, would you? No. Not right I, I, think now, that, I think a lot of that would be too for St. Kilda uh, to play. If they're, gonna, if they're going straight back to Victoria, I think they might have bought that fixture forward for them to travel back to Victoria. Okay. So uh, that's what I'm hearing anyway. Well, it's going to be interesting. People try and get down. It's a full crowd from what I hear, unless um, uh, Owen's from the Nursing uh, Federation of Australia, Western Australia gets his way, which I'd yeah. stick to nursing and keep out of football. Um, look, winner in margin, boys. Are the Eagles going to get their second win in a row for a while? I'm still not confident tipping, so I'm going to... Not tip for a while, I think, even though Eagles should definitely win. <laughs> I did. I tipped the Eagles by 24 points. So, um, 
I was half right. <laughs> I reckon we'll win by 18 this week, myself. Yeah, look, I reckon, uh, I reckon it's going to be... Is it raining? Yes. Yeah, but only 40% chance. So. Oh, well, I'm going to go Eagles by 36 points. I'm that confident. Oh, good win. I'm that confident. <laughs> so I'm touching wood <laughs> as I say that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, um, join us next week. Um, hopefully we're all in the studio and uh, we can bring you a longer format show. Um, hopefully there's another win for the Eagles. Um, they can stay in the eight. And, you know, like I said, um, anything's possible. We could have all the finals here at Optus. So Eagles could finish seven for eight and have four chances of winning the flag. So it can be done. It'd be interesting. Yeah. But I can't see the Victorians uh, having the grand final here. Oh, that many finals, yeah. especially when Queensland, you can still get into there. <laughs> well, you listen to Tony Jones on Channel 9. There's no way he'll have it here, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, well, so, he's, he's typical one on Collingwood. Collingwood yeah. yeah. All right, boys, until next week, we'll, uh, we'll sign off and uh, join us on all the podcast platforms. Get on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, and we'll see you next week with an Eagles win.